0: Morning. Are you still doing good? Got your belly full? Ready for the word? (laughs) It's going to be a good day. Uh, We're excited that you're here. Come on, look at the person next to you and tell them again. Say, you look good today. You look good today. Look at the other person. Look at the person that you didn't look at the first time and tell them you look like you could use a little church today. (laughs) You look like you could use a little church today. Man, we're excited that you're here. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. We're excited that you've tuned in on a Sunday morning to uh, be with us. And before we get into the message in this new series that we're starting, I got to ask you again, is anybody ready for our very first night of worship it's going, to be, it's going to be amazing, and you definitely want to be here. I'm telling you, you want to be here. It's going to be an incredible, incredible night. So we're excited about that, and a lot of preparation that's gone into that, and that will go into that even this afternoon. And so we want you to be here for that uh, starting at 6 o'clock. And I want to talk to you uh, about – well, I want to mention this and then, and then talk to you about something really quick. But Fields of Faith, this next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, is Fields of Faith. If you've never been to Fields of Faith, you need to be at Fields of Faith. If you've been to Fields of Faith, you need to be back at Fields of Faith. <laughs> it is an incredible time where students and teachers and parents and all these people from all over our community gather together at Chisholm uh, Football Stadium, and we pack out the bleachers, and we have worship and uh, a testimony, and there's a, a lady that's going to be speaking this year that has a great testimony in ministry, and you'll want to be here for that. But it's just a great time. Come on, how many of you believe in unity in our community that kind of rhymes and i didn't mean it for made it to, but unity in our community and this is an opportunity that we have this is not about our church it's not about any other church it's about the body it's about people coming together to worship and grow together and be in community together and so we want you to be there that's this wednesday night at six o'clock is that right six o'clock and so be there you might want to get there a little bit early so you can get your seat where you want to be but be there this Wednesday at six o'clock Chisholm football stadium it's gonna be incredible you don't want to miss it and the next thing I want to talk to you about is uh, (laughs) I've mentioned it up multiple times but we have recently back in the end of May uh, we were able to purchase our first property and buildings and parking lot and all of that as a church come on somebody (laughs) hopefully that's not old news to you yet (laughs) but uh, that project has been moving along. I don't know if you've been by there lately, but it's been moving along pretty well, actually. And so we are we are taking it in phases. And so phase one has been uh, just kind of demo. So there's been a crew that's been in there, and the 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 part of the the building that's going to be our worship center where we're going to have church, like this right here. Uh, they've pretty much got it all gutted. We're re-roofing all of the buildings and all of that stuff. But they've got it all torn out. It's opened up. Uh, we're now meeting other people in there trying to figure out doorways and and layout and different things like that as we move into the next phase of this building project. Uh, With that being said, two things that I want to let you know of. Number one, uh, we don't have an exact date yet because we have a couple of serve days coming up. But here in the near future, we're going to have a serve day over there where we're going to be demoing the bookstore building. We're going to be taking care of that because it's a lot of just – Books and magazines and stuff that needs to be cleared out of there and put in the dumpster so that we can move on in that building as well. So we'll be letting you know what date that's going to be so that you can be a part of that. Here's the other thing. We're doing this in phases, and as we do this in phases, uh, the money is coming in phases as well. And I know sometimes at church we don't like to talk about money, but we're going to talk about money for about five minutes, and then I'm going to get on to something else that's going to get all over you today. But uh, what we're inviting you to do, we, we preached a message on it. It's been maybe a couple of months ago. And we were talking about uh, just this this project is going at the rate of our church and and your generosity. So we're trying, we do not want to go into a whole lot of debt as a church to get into this building. We believe that God has provided and equipped us with everything and every resource that we're going to need along the way while we're in this project. And so things have been moving along. Uh, but we're about to enter into the next phase, which is, which is going to be some doorways and roofing, which we all know is is crazy to get people in there to do roofing. So what we're inviting you to do is, if you feel the Lord leading you today, or or over the next few weeks, and you want to give something above and beyond. Your tithe, you know, that we return to God. That's another message, but we return the tithe to God, and anything above that is an offering. If you want to give anything above that, uh, whether it be online or you want to mark it on your envelope and put beyond or beyond movement, you can select that online. Uh, we're going to be using those finances are only going. So what is given to that? We're not we're not using for anything else. All of that money is going to get us into this building that we're renovating, and the demo has been been going on and all this stuff. So we want you to be aware and we'll talk to you periodically as this project's going on and we're still a ways away. But as we move into the next phase, we wanted you to be aware of that as well. So the 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 more resource that we gather, the quicker we can move forward in this project. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to tell you like you need to give a million dollars unless you just have a million dollars and you want to write that check. Then, then you can just come see me right after church today and uh, we'll be happy to, uh, in the name of Jesus, take your money. But But we want you to know that that's available because I believe that there's something to be said about this year being the year of overflow. And that's part of it. It's giving above and beyond everything that God has given you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And how many of you know that this building is going to be a blessing to more people than we even know right now? Like there are people that are going to experience Jesus in a real way and come to know him in that building that we don't even know exists. We may not even know them right now. And so we're furthering the kingdom as we do this, but we want you to be aware of that as well today. So all of that being said, that was a mouthful. And now uh, today we're beginning a brand new series that we're calling Monsters. Monsters. And you can see the tagline on this series is fighting enemies of the faith. Fighting enemies of the faith. And in this series we're going to be talking about uh, those enemies. We're going to be talking about some individual things that we have to fight against in our faith as we walk with Jesus. We're going to be talking about some of the things that have a tendency to creep into our lives and take the place in our life where faith is supposed to be. You ever had something creep into your life that you thought, you know, I used to have faith in that area, but now there's something else sitting in that area of my life, and where I used to have faith, now I don't have so much faith anymore and trying to figure out what that thing is. And we're going to talk about those things in that series. And have you ever been... I, I like to, you know, the idea behind this series, I like to, to say it this way. Have you ever been walking through the store, let's just take Walmart for instance, and you walk into Walmart, and you're going in there for like one thing, and you know exactly what you need, and you go to aisle 14 or whatever the aisle is, and you walk halfway down, and you're like, it's supposed to be right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's supposed to be right there. Like, why do they keep moving stuff? Right? rearrange the store you know just trying to make you see something else before you actually find what you need so that maybe you'll buy something else along the way and it's like it's supposed to be and anybody ever got frustrated well I know y'all are, y'all must be holier than me today you ever just gotten frustrated you walk you are like it's supposed to be right there <laughs> it's supposed to be right there I got my kids with me just coming in here for three minutes self-checkout, can't find what I want because it's supposed to be right there, and it's not there anymore, right? You start getting mad, you start to lose your, your sanity, lose your Christianity in Walmart while you're trying to find some ramen noodles. I don't know what you're looking for. But it used to be right there, and it's not there anymore. And I think for some of us here today, we used to know where our faith was, but somewhere along the way, things have gotten moved and And things have gotten shifted into its place and now we can't really find it and we don't understand why we're feeling the way that we're feeling and why we're going through the things that we're going through and why we're doing the things that we're doing because it used to look this way, but now something else has crept in to that spot. And so over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to talk about these enemies or these monsters of our faith. And today I want to talk to you on this subject. If you're taking notes, you can write down this title. We're talking about the monster of pride. The monster of pride. Now, as you're writing that down, and I know you're excited about this message after hearing that it's about pride. I need to ask, as we get started, I need your permission to get all up in your business today. (laughs) And I'm going to do it in the most loving way that I can. But we're going to talk about some things that some of you are going to be like, You know, squirming in your seat a little bit, but I need your permission as we get going to get in your business a little bit, and you not get mad, and you still come back to night of worship tonight, even though Pastor Gabe talked about your pride, all right? So I'm asking for your permission. So have you ever worked with a person who really didn't do, (laughs) he's like, yes, that's pretty much everybody in here. (laughs) Have you ever worked with somebody who really didn't do much of the work, but when it came time to present to the boss, they took all the credit? Oh, Jesus. Some of y'all are uncomfortable anyway. It's like, oh. You ever been working with somebody and you were doing a project for school? Or you were doing a project at work, and there was something that needed to be done. And you're doing most of the work, and the whole time you're thinking, I don't know why they're not doing, you know, we tried to get together on Tuesday night, and they couldn't do it. And we tried to get together on Friday night, and they couldn't do it. And they said they're going to be here on Monday, and I know it's due next Tuesday. And I feel like I'm doing all the work. And then you get there, and you walk in, and they're like, oh, yeah, we just worked so hard on this project. And you' walk, and you're like you want to walk up to them and be like, you didn't you didn't do nothing. It was like, come on, you ever worked with somebody. Maybe you remember that when you were 13 and you were in school or maybe it was last week. <laughs> maybe you're thinking about yourself right now thinking like, oh, that might be me. I don't know. But you've been working with somebody and they took all the credit even though they didn't do most of the work. or think about, think about your marriage for those of us that are married in the room. Let me ask you this question. Does posting on social media about date nights and anniversaries make a marriage? 'Cause we're good at it. <laughs> we're good at it. Take the picture on a date night, everything's great, loving each other, so in love, with the heart frame around it, make it your profile picture. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Post it, hashtag date night, love my wife and you fought the whole time. <laughs> but you just had to get but you just had to get the picture. <laughs> right? Had to get the picture. Had to remember this moment. Got to put it out there and, and everything looked like everything's good, but everything's, everything's not good. If, if the relationship isn't there, then the things that we're doing and these posts that we're making are just things to try to keep up appearances. Whew. Just trying to make it look like everything's good. I want you to think everything is good. What about our walk with Jesus public shows of affection don't necessarily reveal a deep relationship with Jesus. See, here's here's the truth. Coming coming to church and raising your hands and singing a song doesn't always mean that there's a deep relationship with Jesus. Where the deep relationship comes from. See, Sundays, when we gather together, this is a celebration of everything that's gone on during the week and our relationship with Jesus during the week and everything that God has been speaking to us during the week. And if God's not speaking to you during the week and you're not spending time with Him during the week, just because you come on a Sunday doesn't mean that there's a deep relationship with Jesus, even though you're here. Now, we want you here and we're going to do our best in this church to give you good word and sound word and preach the word to you. So that you have something to go into your week with, but it's about Monday through Saturday that determines whether or not your relationship with God is deep. See, we can we can appear like everything's great, but in reality, it's not so great. And the relationship may not even really exist. In Matthew 23, 27, we're not going to read it this morning. We'll get to our main text here in just a moment, but Jesus. He even compared the Pharisees. I don't know if, you, if you've if you read your Bible, and when they're talking about the Pharisees, he's talking about religious people, people that just wanted to keep all the rules. You just got to keep all the rules. That's how you're going to get to heaven. You're going to keep all the rules, and you, you're never going to live up to everything that, that we are as the Pharisees because we're righteous, and we're holy, and you're not keeping all the rules. And so Jesus compares the Pharisees or the religious people. He says that they're compared to whitewashed tombs. That looked beautiful on the outside, but on the inside were full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Now, I don't know what was considered cussing in the Bible. (laughs) But if you go up to somebody and say, you know, you might look like you. Can you imagine this? If somebody walked up to you, you look like you've got it all together. But I know on the inside, you ain't got nothing together. And Jesus is saying to these religious people, you make it look like you've got a relationship with me. You make it look like you're keeping all the rules. You make it look like you've got it all figured out and everybody just needs to be like you. But in reality, what's going on on the inside of you is exactly the opposite. You're dead on the inside, even though on the outside you're making it look like you're so alive. And that's what Jesus compares them to. Now, Today I want to talk to you, and we're going to read some scripture and give you some points, but I want to talk to you about this this issue in our lives, and this is the first and often the most difficult monster that we face. This might be the most difficult thing that we face that we're going to talk about in this series, is pride. Pride. And so I want to read a part of a story in the New Testament that I believe can help us better understand this enemy or this monster of pride That many of us struggle with and we're going to pull some things out of it and learn some things hopefully today but I want to start in Acts chapter 4 And we're going to start in verse 32 and then carry over into the first part of chapter 5, but this is what it says All the believers were agreed in heart and mind They didn't claim that anything They had was their own Wouldn't that be awesome? They shared everything they owned With great power the apostles continued their teaching This was the the first church So if we're going to base our church or church life off of anything, we ought to be basing it off of the very first church that Jesus started by the 12 people that he gathered together and taught them how to do this thing so that they can continue it going. It says that they shared everything they owned and, and they continued their teaching. They gave witness that the Lord Jesus had risen from the dead and they were greatly blessed by God. There were no needy persons among them. Let me read that again. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, and then it goes on and tells us why. So it's like, why are there so many needy people, but there were no needy people among them in the first church? Here's the reason why. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales. They put it down at the apostles' feet. It was then given out to anyone who needed it. Joseph was a Levite from Cyprus. The apostles called him Barnabas. The name Barnabas means son of help. Barnabas sold a field he owned. He brought the money from the sale. He put it down at the apostles' feet. And then moving over into chapter 5, verse 1. A man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira also sold some land. He kept part of the money for himself. Sapphira knew he had kept it. He brought the rest of it and put it down at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why did you let Satan fill your heart? He made you lie to the Holy Spirit. You have kept some of the money you received for the land. Didn't the land belong to you before it was sold? After it was sold, you could have used the money as you wished. What made you think of doing such a thing? You haven't lied to just anyone, you've lied to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> what if you just <laughs> what if you lied to God about something and somebody called you on it and you just dropped dead? This is the Bible. Y'all ought to read your Bible. The Bible's awesome. (laughs) Just drop dead, you know, (laughs) for lying to God. All who heard what had happened were filled with fear, and I can imagine. Some young men came and wrapped up his body. They carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, the wife of Ananias came in. I love this. She didn't know what had happened. So she comes walking in, doesn't know that her husband you know, was 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 lying to God, lying about the situation, and had just dropped dead. So she comes in three hours later. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias sold the land for? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter asked her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, you can hear the steps of the men who buried your husband. They are at the door. They will carry you out also. At that very moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in. They saw that Sapphira was dead. So they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. The whole church and all who heard these things were filled with fear. Come on, can you imagine we're standing in this place worshiping and somebody calls you out on a lie and you and your spouse just drop dead right in church and everybody else is like,
1: what kind of church
0: are we at right now, right? Right? <laughs> Like, what is going on here? People just dropping dead right here in the middle of the service. This is crazy. This is, I mean, but I think it shows the importance of what we're talking about today. And I'm not telling you that you're going to drop dead from pride in your life, but I think it'll kill you from the inside out. So you may not physically drop dead, but if this is an issue in your life, it'll eventually kill you from the inside out. See, in this story, Ananias and... Sapphira were more interested in outward appearances than sharing with other believers. See, this is the the thing behind the story. They're more worried about what people are thinking about them and what they do than doing what they were called to do. They were more concerned about putting on a good persona than allowing their life to be an overflow for other people. See, here's the thing. They were more concerned, and this message really isn't about money, but this this is talking about positions and money in this passage. They were more concerned about you thinking that they were generous than actually being generous. Am I all over you yet? They were more concerned about what you thought about what they were doing and putting on a show that made you think. That they were so generous and giving all of this, and we're doing what everybody else is doing and, and what God called us to do, and in reality, they weren't. They were just trying to make it appear as if they were. And as we read this story, we see that their sin wasn't it wasn't withholding some of the money from the apostles, it was falsely claiming that they gave it all to the church. It wasn't that it wasn't that they withheld money that was the problem. It was that they withheld money but wanted you to think that we gave it all. We sold it all. while well, I got this in my back pocket, I want you to believe that I gave it all, that I was generous, that I was given, that I was, I was living this overflowing life when in reality we're really not. and it's just a front. It's just trying to make you think that we are. Their sin was the fact that they tried to appear one way when that wasn't reality. And when we care about, come on this is so good, when we care about the appearance of doing good more than actually doing good itself, we weaken our walk with Jesus. So if you're more concerned about appearing like you've got it all together, appearing like you're serving God, appearing like you're doing everything God called you to do and doing good rather than actually doing the good that God's called you to do, then it weakens your relationship and your walk with Jesus. It's not about the appearance. When we care more about appearing like we're following Jesus rather than actually following Jesus, that's a dangerous place to be. When we're trying to make it look like we're following Jesus, but we're actually not trying to follow Jesus with all of our heart, that's a dangerous place to be. Or when we care more about appearing like we're involved in what God is doing in our community and in our city, and, and we want it to appear like we're, we're, we're all in, and, and, and we're just on God's side, and we want to see what God can do, then we are actually doing what God calls us to do in our city, then that's another dangerous place to be. Because it's not about, it's, it's not about the appearance. It's about what's actually going on. It's not about the appearance. And here's the bottom line this morning. You can write this down. It's this right here. Pride corrupts our faith. Pride corrupts our faith. So maybe you're here today and where there used to be faith in your life, now pride has snuck in and it has corrupted your faith. So for the next few moments, I want us to talk about some of the things that pride keeps us from in our lives now, there are more things than what we're going to talk about. We're just going to talk about a few. There are a lot more than these, but these are the few that that I felt led to talk to you about today. And then after we talk about those, we're going to talk about how we can fight this monster of pride in our life. Are you with me? So we're going to talk about some things that it's going to keep us from if we're struggling with pride, and it's corrupting our faith. And then I'm going to give you something that I believe can counteract this pride. In our lives, So here's the first one. Pride can keep us from growth. Pride can keep us from growth. Let's talk about this for a moment. If you're always worried about looking like a good Christian and having everything all together all the time, you'll never be able to confess your sin and your faults to get help. So if you're always trying to appear like you've got it all together, You're always trying to make people think like you've got it figured out, make people think that your marriage is better than what it actually is, make people think that you're not struggling with the addiction that you actually are, make people think that you've got everything figured out in life that you don't really have figured out. It'll keep you from seeking help. It'll keep you from getting the help that you need. It'll keep you from asking and confessing what you need to in your life. And so pride gets in the way of growth. See, we can't grow as a Christian because we're more concerned about looking like we have it all together instead of allowing God to put us together. So instead of allowing God to put the pieces together that we know were broken and this happened and this happened and I have a past and I've been there and I've struggled with that, and instead of allowing God to bring all that together and use it for our good and put all those pieces together, we're more concerned about appearing like we have it all together. When in reality... We don't, and I heard another pastor say this, and I'm going to use it today, and maybe you want to write this down, it's not going to be on the screen, but God can't fix what you fake. God can't fix what you fake. So if you're living a fake life, God can't fix the things that you really deep down want him to be able to fix, want him to be able to change, want him to be able to do something in your life, in that area, he can't fix what you're faking, because it's not really what's going on. God can't fix what you fake. And I remember this even in my own life just to tell on myself a little bit today. This issue of pride in my life. And see sometimes we don't we don't look at it as pride. Well, I'm just trying to I'm just trying trying to put on a good persona. I'm just trying to just trying to to be who I think I'm supposed to be trying to present myself in the way that I feel like I'm supposed to present myself and a lot of times it sneaks in the back door and we don't realize it's really pride that we're dealing with because we're not dealing with the issues that we need to deal with because we're putting up a front and making it appear like we don't have any problems does anybody have any problems if you didn't raise your hand that's your problem (laughs) if you didn't raise your hand today then that's your problem (laughs) Is that you don't think you have any problems. We've all got problems. I remember this in my life, appearing, because this is, I was so good at this for so long, right? Appearing on the outside like everything's good. Appearing on the outside like I've got it all figured out. Woo, look at Gabe. Look at his kids. Look at his marriage. Look at his life. You know, when I was growing up in in school, looking at playing sports and, And doing all that, boy, it just looks like I was good at making it appear on the outside like I had it all together. But in reality, there was a lot of stuff going on on the inside of me. And I was struggling with pornography. I was struggling with stealing. I was struggling with lying. I was struggling with all this stuff going on in my heart that I couldn't deal with because I was trying to make you feel like I had it all together. See, somebody... Somebody's going to get some freedom today to come to the conclusion that you don't have to pretend like you've got it all together. Because when you pretend like you've got it all together, and I'm preaching from experience, so you can just listen in and lean in. When you pretend like you've got it all together, everything starts to fall apart. And you can't get help for what you really need help with because you've got to keep this front up like you've got it all together. But when you let the wall down and you let some people in your life see who you really are, then you can get some freedom in some areas in your life because that stuff is no longer in the dark and you're not trying to cover it up and you're not trying to hide it and you got it out here and I'm not going to put up a front like I got it all together because I know you don't have it all together either. And so if you want to look at me and pretend like I've got it all together and look bad at me when I tell you that I don't, it's only because you got some stuff in your own life that you haven't brought to the light yet that you're feeling bad about, and you don't want somebody talking to you about their stuff because then you've got to talk about your stuff. Can I preach for just a moment? <laughs> it's, it's pride. It's pride. It's all pride. Pride can keep us from experiencing growth in our lives, but it can also keep us from experiencing freedom. And some of us are walking around just tied up all the time because we got so much pride that we can't let anybody see what's going on in our life because we got to look a certain way and we can't get the help that we need and we can't confess it to people and get prayed for and get healing in our lives because we're so bound up and we're putting up a front and we don't want anybody to know. See, this is why some of us aren't in groups. Now, I got your permission at the beginning of this to get all up in your business now. This is why some people don't get in a group because we tell you up front what groups are for. You're going for a curriculum. You're going to hang out with some people. You're going all that. But in reality, what groups are for is the second part of our vision as a church where you can find freedom. So that you can get around some people and get to know some people, and they can get to know you, and then you can drop that mask that you've been wearing for the first seven weeks, and you can tell somebody what's going on in your life so that you can get prayed for and you can get healed and you can walk out of there free from what you've been dealing with. And this is why some, because, because some of us don't want people to know what's going on in our life. So we don't get in a group and we don't put ourselves in situations where we might have to talk, come on, I'm preaching to somebody, where we might have to talk about what we're feeling. We might have to talk about what we're struggling with. We might have to talk about what we did three days ago. We might have to confess something to somebody in our lives when we start feeling like the Holy Spirit's saying, you need to tell them, you need to tell them, you need to tell them. If you want freedom, you need to tell them, you need to tell them. And some of us don't get in a group because we don't want to put ourselves in that situation because we want to keep our front up and we want to keep our appearance up and appear like we have it all together. And we can't find freedom in those areas of our lives when we live that way. I got to get off point one because I got two more. And then we got to close and do all that stuff too. So <laughs> I can understand that if you feel like an environment seems perfect. That it can be terrifying for you to admit some things in your life. When you feel like, man, it's like everybody's got it all figured out. Can I just tell you today, if nobody in your group tells you and you join a group this week and you walk in there and you feel like, man, everybody in here is perfect and everybody seems like they've got a great marriage and everybody seems like they've got it all together, can I just let you in on a little secret? Ain't nobody in that room got it all together. (laughs) So don't walk into an environment in a group thinking, well, everybody's got it all together and I can't tell my stuff because, you know, they got it all figured out and... And I'm struggling with this or whatever. Let me tell you what's probably going to happen whenever you open up to somebody and you feel comfortable and like this is my person. And you open up and you say, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Somebody's going to say, Whew, me too. (laughs) Somebody's going to say, I was there three months ago. And let me tell you how you can get through that and how God can walk you through that and how you can get freedom from that. And what you need here's some here's some things that I did and here's some people that helped me and here's some stuff that you can get your hands on. And that's what's going to happen in a group. But see, the enemy does not want you to know that. So he wants you to avoid groups at all costs because you're going to have to open up and you're going to have to tell somebody and and you might be exposed. Oh, dear Jesus. You might be exposed as somebody that you really are and not the person that you're pretending to be. And he doesn't want you to get freedom in your life. He wants you to be bound up with the things that you've still been bound up with. And so he keeps you terrified of going to a group. Can I just encourage you today? Get in a group. Get in a group we still got like six or seven weeks left in this semester. Get in a group. Get around some people that are going the same direction you're going and that can encourage you and can do what the scripture talks about when it says pity the person who falls and doesn't have somebody to pick them up. Get around some people that can pick you up when you're down. Get around some people that can do that for you. Why would you give away your growth and your freedom because of what somebody else is thinking? Why would I give up how God wants to grow me and the areas of my life that God wants to give me freedom in because of your pride? Because you're going to pretend like you've got it all together. If you want to pretend like you've got it all together, you can keep on pretending like you've got it all together, but I want to live in freedom. I want to enjoy my life and not feel like I'm watching my back everywhere that I go, trying to watch what I say. Here's number two Pride can keep us from serving. So pride can keep us from growth, pride can keep us from serving. I love some of the things that Jesus said when he was on the earth, just a couple of them here. He said, "I did not come to be served, but to serve." Something else he said, "The person who wants to be first must be last and the servant of all." You want to come in first place? Serve other people. You want to you want you want the reward that that God has for you? Serve God by serving other people. You want to live your life like Jesus? Then don't wait for people to serve you. Look for people that you can serve. Because that's what Jesus did. And so what we do a lot of times is we say things like this. Now remember, I got your permission. Got your permission. You smiled at me. I know it's before we got into all this, but I got your permission. Here's what we do so many, so many times. We say things like this. Well, I just don't feel called to do that. I just don't feel called to do that. Now, I can understand you don't feel called to start a church and pastor a church and, you know, for that to be your career and stuff like that. But we're talking about serving. Okay, so let me just, let me bring it all together. We're not talking about all those other things. We're talking about serving God by serving people. And sometimes we use that phrase, come on, I've used it. If you think back, you can probably think of a time when you, well, I just don't feel called to that. Somebody asked you, hey, would you be willing to do this? Would you be willing to serve here? Would you be willing to, that? well, I just don't feel called to do that. So don't feel like that's my calling. You know, <laughs> some of the things that I was thinking about this last week as I was tying all this together to, to present to you today was, you know, we say that, and, and sometimes you want to ask yourself this question. So you don't feel called to spend time and pour into kids that Jesus loves. Ooh, I'm getting all up in your business right now. So you don't feel called to to reach out and minister and pour into people, kids, adults, that Jesus cares for, that his heart breaks for, that it's all about people, it's not about a building, it's not about, it's not about all this other stuff, that it's really all about people, that Jesus is really just worried about people. The only thing getting to heaven is people. Your clothes are not going, your house is not going, your car is not going, all your money that you've been saving up for a rainy day, it's not going. It's not going. The only thing going to heaven is people. And I think God has called us to serve him by serving people. And Jesus modeled it. Jesus modeled it for us. <laughs> I think about another one. We don't feel called to to spend time with the less fortunate, even though that's the example that Jesus set for us. I'm just being I'm just being real. Like this is not anything that I have not said myself. So don't look up here and be like, well, holy gabe. Just coming down on everybody in the church today, that's not what I'm doing. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Somebody told me once, a pastor told me once, you always preach from your weakness and you'll never run out of things to preach on. (laughs) You preach on what you're struggling with because you need it just as much as everybody else. So you don't feel called to serve God by serving other people like Jesus did? You don't feel called? To serve God by serving other people? See, this is what pride does. Pride will keep you from serving the way that God intended for you to serve. It'll keep you from really doing what God has intended for you to do with your life. And here's number three. Pride can keep us from salvation. Most important thing that we can probably talk about today is how pride can keep us from salvation. And too many times we are, man, And we man, we try to be a church. I hope we are. We try to be a church that is reaching lost people. Man, people that feel like there's no hope, there's hope. People that feel like you, you can't get it all together. Man, you can't get it all together. But I know somebody who can get it together for you. I know somebody who can help you get it together. I know somebody who can take all those pieces and put them together when you don't feel like it's ever going to amount to anything. And you're never going to be who God created you to be. Or you're never going to get back to where you were. Or it's never gonna work out for you. And I think so many times, I'm gonna bring the worship team back up. So many times we sit in a in a place like this in a church, or we stand in a place like this, and we feel, we feel the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you know, we probably need to do a series on the Holy Spirit just so just so we can kind of wrap our minds around that even better than what we talked about back at the beginning of the year. But you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. And there's something on the inside of you that is just like, oh, like you just feel like I need to do this. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to take this step. I need to, to, to get prayer. I need to whatever it is. And and too many times my fear is that we sit in that place and we let pride keep us from doing that. And so even while, while everybody's got their eyes closed, and even while their heads are bowed, and, 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 and we say, hey, if you want to receive Jesus today, And you want salvation, just slip your hand up and we're going to all pray this prayer together. And some of us, we still struggle with that pride of, I don't want to admit that I don't have it all together. I don't want anybody to really know that I'm not serving God or that I haven't given my life to him. And we let pride keep us from salvation. We let pride keep us from giving our life to Jesus. Because we want to control it, and we want to do things our way, and we want we want things to go a certain way, and I don't really want to surrender my life to him because what is he going to do? Can I just tell you what God's going to do? He's going to do what's best for you. I don't know why we worry about that, and I worry about that too. I remember worrying about that growing up. Well, if I give my life to Jesus, what is Jesus going to do? What's he going to ask me to do? What's he going to tell me to do? Where am I going to have to go? What am I going to have to do? Jesus, God has a plan for your life that is going to be the most fulfilling thing that you could ever do in your entire life. But you can experience that fulfillment and life to the fullest is what Jesus called it. I came so that they could have life and not just life, life to the fullest. Life to the fullest is when you're in the calling and the will of God. I don't know what we're afraid of. I don't. And I remember growing up and being like, if I, what is God going to ask me to do? What am I going to have to give up? Like, who am I going to start ha- stop hanging out with? Like, am I going to be weird? Are people going to think, like, God has nothing but good in mind for you. And he's here today, and he's like, man, if you'll just give your life to me, you will be amazed at what I can do through your life if you'll give it to me. And there is no reason, and he's telling you today through me, there is no reason for you to fear giving your life to God. There is no reason for you to fear it. God is not going to do anything crazy. He loves you. God is love, and he loves you unconditionally. He loves you sitting right now in in the struggles and the issues and everything that you got going on in your life right now. He still looks at you, and he he doesn't see that. He says, hey, there's my son. There's my daughter. There's somebody who gave their life to me. There's somebody I'm walking through that with. There's somebody that I'm helping get through that. There's somebody that that's gonna that they don't know it yet, but in three years, that person they've been praying for and they've been talking to is gonna come to know me, and then I can't see it yet, but I'm working it all out, and I'm doing all this stuff behind the scenes. God has nothing but good in store for you, and so I want to just I want to just tear down that wall of pride that's keeping us from giving our lives to Jesus fully because we're worried and we're fearful of of what might happen there's nothing going to happen but good God's going to take your life and he's going to turn it into more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine when you give it to him so here's the last thing I want to give you and then we're going to pray and sing one final song how do we fight the monster of pride in our lives so we know what it can keep us from we know what, what the struggle is but how do we fight it and I think it's in one word how we fight this in our lives and here's this word you can write this down obedience I think there are a lot of things you can put in the blank there like what's the opposite of pride what's you know but how do we how do we here's how I think we fight the monster of pride in our lives we obey because when you obey you can't obey and be prideful (laughs) because pride will keep you from obeying but when you make the decision today that from this moment forward, I'm going to obey. And if God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. You can't have pride in that situation. I'm not telling you that pride is not going to try to creep back in. Because God's going to ask you to do something and you're going to be like, oh, Jesus. You know, Lord, I told you that I don't like talking in front of people. I told you, like, I'll do anything for you except talk to somebody. <laughs> right? Like, that was part of the deal, God. I said, yeah, I'm going to give my life to you. But don't ask me to talk to anybody. Pride's going to try to creep back in. And and, and that appearance is going to try to come back up like you appearing like you got it all together. But you should keep it out there. I'm just going to obey. I'm going to obey. I'm not going to live in pride. I'm going to obey. You know how I'm going to live my life? I'm going to obey Jesus. When he says to do something, I'm going to obey Jesus. He tells me to pray for that person, I'm going to obey Jesus. He tells me to... He tells me to lift my hands. Come on, sometimes we think that's a weird thing. That's just an act of surrender. Come on, that's a universal, universal universal-wide act of surrender. Just saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to you. It's not a weird thing. It's not a weird thing. Jesus has asked you, I'm just going to obey. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. When you feel, where you stand today? When you feel that tug at your heart that says you need Jesus obedience looks like you responding to it or when i groups are going on you get in a group and let some people know what's going on in your life so that you can be prayed for and you can be healed or when jesus sets an example for us to serve god by serving others you get on a team and you allow god to do through your life what he wants to do through your life that's what obedience looks like and when we're focused on obedience don't miss this then we're more concerned with what God has told us to do rather than how we look or if we're getting, check this out or if we get any recognition when we're more focused on obedience it's about I'm going to do what God told me to do if nobody else believes me if I never get recognized for it I'm going to do what God told me to do if it feels like this awkward thing that I've never done before I don't like going up to people and talking. I don't like just going up to somebody and praying for them and it just feels awkward to me. But I'm going to obey. Because obedience defeats pride. Don't allow pride in your life to keep you from finding freedom and growing and serving. And especially from entering into a relationship with Jesus. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Here in just a moment, we're going to sing one final song, but I want to pray two prayers today, so it's a little bit different. But I want to ask two times, and our prayer team can come down if you guys are ready, if you will. Two things that I want to ask you, and and heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody looking around. This is between you and God. Nobody else. You and God. Here's the first thing I want to ask you. If you want to be included in this prayer, you would say, hey, today I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to say and confess before God that I have pride in my life. I have pride in my life, and I want to be included in this prayer. Like, this prayer is for me. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up right where you are? I got pride in my life, and I know it's there. I know it's there. Thank you. Hands all over the room. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. So let's pray this prayer. And you can can pray this with me, or you can just allow me to pray for you. You can pray this under your breath or with your heart. But let's just pray this prayer. God, we thank you that you are greater than pride. And Lord, I pray right now that you would break down every wall of pride in this building. Everybody under the sound of my voice, Lord, we're dropping our pride at your feet today. And we don't worry about what other people are thinking about us anymore or trying to keep it all together or appear like it's all together. No, we're going to get we're going to get in a group. We're going to get around people where we can talk about what's going on in our lives. We're going to get healing and freedom today from pride in Jesus' name. And so I speak that over every single person that raised their hand today, confessing pride in their life. God, I pray that you would remove pride and that you would turn it into obedience. That they would be more concerned with obeying you worrying about what everybody else is thinking about them and trying to keep up their appearance and god we thank you for delivering them we thank you for freedom in this area in our lives in jesus name amen with heads bowed and eyes still closed i want to pray one more thing and then we're going to sing a song i promise but if you're here today i want to give this opportunity because we were talking about one of the things that pride keeps us from is entering into a relationship with jesus and i don't want that to be i don't want that to be a a, a boundary for you anymore. I don't want that to be something that's a wall between you and God that, that you've just never wanted to admit that you need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you this, and we're all going to pray this prayer out loud because nobody prays alone. We're going to pray this in unison here in just a moment. But I do want to ask you to acknowledge that you want to be included in this prayer. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, and today you want to make the decision, I'm dropping my pride and I'm giving my life to Jesus. If that's you, will you lift your hand right now? Thank you for your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer. Just repeat this prayer out loud after me. And I believe if you pray this with your heart, you mean this in your heart, that God is going to save you today right here where you're standing. So let's pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Even when I didn't love you, thank you for dying for me, giving your life for me. God, thank you for sending your son to take my sin. So today I receive your forgiveness for all of my sins. And I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. I give my life to you. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Can we clap our hands for those who made that decision today? Man, we're so excited for you. We want to sing one final worship song before we leave today. And I want to encourage you, if you need prayer for anything in your life, maybe you made that decision to give your life to Jesus for the first time, I encourage you just when others slip out for prayer, just come down and tell somebody. Say, hey, I made that decision so that you can be prayed for. If you need prayer for anything going on in your life, any struggle, any issue uh, that you just need somebody to agree with you and encourage you on, we want to pray for you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.